TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. For the better part of the next three hours, I am your voice. This is Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Going to open up the phone lines later in the show when we do so. The Score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Outstanding guests. And my guy Sean Sears has booked for us throughout the evening here. Guests who join us will join us on the Score Hotline presented by Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And any breaking news that may happen over the course of the next few hours, breaking news on 670 The Score is presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. I mentioned the fantastic guests that Sean has prepared for us. Just a few short minutes. Eric Edholm, one of our favorites here, Chicago win until Chicago wins. He's been down in Mobile covering the Senior Bowl for NFL.com. He's a part of NFL media now. My guy E will be with us in a few minutes. We'll talk to Herb Howard later in the show as well, so we'll get kind of the national perspective from Eric. We'll get Herb on the line in a little bit as well, talk about uh, some of the Bears happenings. And it, it's interesting. I'll, I'll get to that in a moment just with, in terming it as Bears happenings because things have happened, but then some things have not happened that have been reacted to also. So there's, uh, there's some meat on that bone. But also, my alma mater, the Iowa Hawkeyes, they have got a, one of the top basketball programs in women's sports right now, but then also – Beyond women's sports, they've got the star of stars in college athletics right now. The Iowa women's basketball team is is like the Beatles when they travel. When they're at home, Carver Hawkeye Arena is sold out game in and game out. And they were in Evanston just the other night, took the family out to the game, watched them defeat Northwestern. And Lisa Bluter, the head coach of Iowa women's basketball will be with us later this evening. Going to talk to her about her squad, but of course her supernova of a point guard in Caitlin Clark and just the way that Caitlin Clark has has just sort of revamped and, and tilted on its axis the way that amateurism is being viewed, the way that uh, female athletes, really their, their individual value is now being assessed in a different way, and there's a lot to get into there. So we're going to talk to Lisa Bluter a little bit later in the show. Her squad is actually on the way out to College Park. They're going to face the Maryland Terrapins tomorrow. So looking forward to that conversation with her. We'll talk some Bulls later in the show as well with Ricky O'Donnell because um, it's, you know, the clock's ticking. We're just a few days away with the trade deadline looming. And I don't know. I, I'm not sure what the Bears are going to do. I'm not sure what they should do. Not sure what they can do. Hopefully Ricky will help us figure that out. And he's always got his somewhat acerbic wit that helps us sift through some of those things. Well, I did mention the from a Bears perspective uh, what was happening, and I, you know, like I mentioned, going out to Evanston the other night, and we had to talk through some of those things as well because it was a, a really, really fun time. I was thinking about leading the show with some of those uh, aspects as I've been kind of just thinking about where I wanted to take things over the last day or so here, but of course, there's been plenty 
a frenzy about what's happened with uh, with the Chicago Bears, the number one pick, Caleb Williams, the reaction to it. And um, we, we will hear, because it was really cool to hear Colin Cowherd on with the afternoon guys, on with Danny and Matt, uh, not too long ago here on the station. So uh, Sean will play some of that sound for us a little bit later in this hour. But I, I don't know, amateurism and, and the way that, that we view it, the way that amateurism is covered and consumed, it's been shifting so drastically over the last few years. It was beginning to shift even before 2020 and the COVID shutdown. And then once we kind of got back to competition and once we got back to folks being able to consume amateur athletics at a higher level and we evaluated, I'll use the collective we, just the, the sports media and consumers really took a, a deeper look at just how all these things that we've been watching and enjoying, participating in, covering, consuming, how all of it as it relates to intercollegiate athletics, what does it mean? What's fair and unfair in the compensation for student athletes? And a lot of the things that have been getting discussed for a while more rapidly shifted than probably a lot of folks were really prepared for. And so now the way that we discuss stars as they're entering the professional ranks is now different. So when college athletes are now still playing intercollegiate athletics as they're competing at that level and they can profit from their personal brands, the term that gets used, and I'm sure many of you have heard, is NIL, name, image, and likeness. So they have that, that ability now to profit from their personal brand in a way that goes beyond just the same full-ride scholarship that myself and other older athletes were just getting for generations and generations. And the fact that athletes can now profit beyond just that full scholarship, some folks are still uneasy with it. But in addition to just the dis-ease that's there with folks feeling like it's not as pure anymore as it once was, and folks who sort of romanticize what amateur athletics was supposed to be about, that dis-ease is a part of it, while at the same time, the way that it gets covered has continued to shift as well because there is so much that churns and so much that happens. And in a space like right now or this week, it's not really like the Bears themselves made any legitimate news. It's not like Caleb Williams himself made any news in his own right this week. But because he is a guy who has been viewed for multiple years as the the next coming, this this next sort of pure, definitive number one overall pick and, you know, sort of these, these terms that get thrown around about these high-value targets entering the professional ranks have been getting, getting, you know, sort of pinned to Caleb Williams for years at this point. A lot of folks have suffered through, I, I suppose I'll, I'll use the, the sort of broader term of suffered through the coverage of and discussion about Caleb Williams because there's been so much of it. You know, the last quarterback who was in this similar position was Trevor Lawrence, but the Caleb Williams coverage and conversation has gone beyond anything that Trevor Lawrence experienced. In just a few years, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were in the same draft class, so they've both just completed their third year in the National Football League. So we're three years removed from Trevor Lawrence spending three years as the guy who was viewed as the definitive number one overall pick in his coming draft cycle, and Caleb Williams is viewed as a prospect that's beyond the way that Trevor Lawrence was viewed when, he's ca- when he came out. But from a media perspective, the coverage of him and the fan reaction to him, yes, there was a lot of pressure and scrutiny on Trevor Lawrence. He won a national title at Clemson, went to another national championship game, and, and spent multiple years. He was the number one recruit in the country when he came out of high school. There were Andrew Luck comparisons. Yeah, I call the All-American Bowl every year. Trevor Lawrence played in the All-American Bowl. I've been breaking down his film, been covering him, and, and talking to talent evaluators about Trevor Lawrence since he was in high school. And he was the guy when he was coming out of high school and on his way to Clemson that was getting the Andrew Luck comparisons back then with recruiting evaluators. This was the top prospect anyone had seen since that time frame. As he entered the National Football League, he wasn't 
he wasn't being discussed in the same ilk quite as that, but he was certainly. You, you heard the term generational talent thrown around a bit about Trevor Lawrence. But not only does the evaluation on the field of Caleb Williams go beyond that, beyond the way that Trevor Lawrence had been getting discussed, but then also the coverage of Caleb Williams because Caleb Williams has been able to, been allowed to be compensated. You've seen reports about the millions of dollars that he's been able to earn off the field during his time at USC. That's got a different tenor to it for the way that he's been viewed. And then also, you do have now these national ad campaigns that he's been allowed to be a part of. So his level of celebrity in just the last three years is so different now than when Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields came out just a few short years ago. Exponentially different than anything Andrew Luck ever dealt with. And so even, you know, there's a great 30 for 30 that ESPN did covering John Elway and the time that he spent trying to evaluate whether or not he would go to the NFL, but he didn't want to go to the, the, the Colts at that period of time. So he's trying to force the hands of the Colts to trade out of the top pick and not take him or he's going to go play baseball and he's been drafted by the Yankees. A really good 30 for 30 on Elway and how that entire draft played out with all the great quarterback prospects that came out in that same class with Elway. John Elway was definitively viewed as the guy, the dude, the franchise-altering, quote-unquote, generational prospect during that time frame. So there was a lot of coverage then. It's so different now. And we get the opportunity to watch sort of every scintilla, every moment that these amateur athletes, that these college players experience, what they deal with, what they go through. When are they lying in their mom's arms, crying after after a loss? But then the the opinionists, I'll use the, I, when I used to teach classes, I taught at the Illinois Media School for a few years, I don't know, probably a decade ago or something like that. And I, as I would talk to students at the Illinois Media School about the various roles in our industry, you have hosts, analysts, anchors, and, and the opinionist has become over the last, I don't know, let's call it 20 years, has become a much bigger deal in the industry where it's not someone who's a writer, who's a, you know, a true journalist in the newspaper sense, maybe didn't even study journalism. Who knows? I didn't study journalism. I just happened to play football, and I've been in this industry for a while at this point. But the role of what I call the opinionist, you got insiders who you know scoop everybody and break news, all these different roles within the industry. But the opinionist has become a much bigger deal. And then some of these lines end up getting blurred. And where Caleb Williams is at with this, and I've, I've talked about it a bunch throughout the season, all the other opportunities that were there to continue evaluating Justin Fields and the Bears needing to do their due diligence because if Justin Fields could have finished out the season in a way where the Bears felt confident in Justin Fields being the guy who could take them to the promised land as a quarterback, then man, what a great spot they would be in having a quarterback who they all felt confident in and also having the number one pick associated with that and what that could mean to their franchise. I still feel like Justin, I've been talking about it on the station for a few weeks now, I still feel like Justin Fields has the potential to become an excellent quarterback in the National Football League. He's not there yet, and the Bears have the second year in a row with the number one overall pick. So I believe the Bears will and probably should draft Caleb Williams number one overall. The issue is, from the Caleb Williams perspective, I don't have any issue with Caleb Williams off the field. My concern individually with Caleb Williams is more so about just the the legitimacy of his current excellence. I believe in 2024, Justin Fields will be a better quarterback than Caleb Williams in the National Football League. By comparison, though, I think Caleb Williams is a much better prospect at this stage of his development than Justin Fields was when he came out. And I think long-term, if you just compared similar situations, I believe Caleb Williams has a higher ceiling in his NFL journey than Justin Fields would in his NFL journey. So I think there's a lot of legitimate sense to make out of why the Bears would draft Caleb Williams. The problem that is surrounding, that has surrounded Caleb Williams, has played out between yesterday and today. A lot of it on this station, but certainly in social media and other outlets where, you know, Colin Cowherd goes on the air, goes on his show, of course, nationally syndicated, uh, syndicated radio and television show. He's one of the best in the business. He's been, you know, abundantly generous to me and, and compliments and in time on his show and everything else. But Colin Cowherd contributed to some of the issues that surround Caleb Williams yesterday. And he came on the show, like I mentioned, we'll 
play some of that sound a little bit later for you here. And he was on with Daddy and Matt earlier. He was on Parkinson Spiegel, you know, sort of talking through some of that with them. But because there are so many opinions and have been so many opinions about Caleb Williams for years at this point, what has surfaced this season is, frankly, I think people just kind of run out of new things to say about Caleb, and then other things just get attributed to him that I find unfortunate. I've tweeted about this a few times. The, the coverage of Caleb Williams I find unfortunate because the scrutiny around what he'll be in the NFL is fair, and teams have to sift through that. But Caleb Williams is not a guy. like He's, he's a good-looking guy, and he's really talented, and he's comfortable at the microphone and everything else, but he's not someone who's just – out there all the time. He's not someone who you see him all over social media. He's not someone posting a bunch of pictures about him trying to floss and trying to show everybody what he's got and everything else. When he's at the mic, he's always seemingly, and everyone I've talked to that's been around Caleb Williams, and I you know, was at the Pac-12 Network for a number of years. I know a bunch of folks. I had Yogi Roth on the station, whatever it was, a week or so ago. He's called a bunch of Caleb Williams games, had him at the Elite 11, and beyond Yogi. I've talked to a number of people about Caleb Williams, people at USC, people who've covered him, people who've been evaluating him, the talent on the field is exceptional. The questions about Caleb's maturity seem fair enough, but that's part of what the Bears will need to evaluate in depth. But beyond that, all these other things that have been tagged with him, associated with him, that he hasn't seemingly contributed to in the public light, that to me is the unfortunate part about how Caleb Williams entering, you know, presumably – entering his his career in Chicago with the Bears, or if it did end up being elsewhere, he will enter life as a professional athlete. He will enter his career in the National Football League, frankly, with a lot of folks who end up rooting against him for things beyond his control, for things that he has not said or done. I've talked about it a good bit on the station. I'll get to a break in a moment. The idea of, of wanting an ownership stake in an NFL team. We've never heard Caleb Williams say that on the record. You've never seen Caleb Williams take to social media with that. The idea during the regular season that maybe after that first loss USC suffered, after a bad game against Notre Dame, maybe Caleb Williams can, should, will sit out the remainder of the season because there's nothing left for him to play for, nothing left for him to prove, and the way that's been perceived in, in whether or not he's a true competitor or really a tough guy. Same guy who, after his sophomore season, played with a torn hamstring in the Pac-12 title game not that they were going to make a college football playoff, but just showing that he wanted to be their first teammate, that he loved the game. And then if, yesterday, just kind of the latest example of whether or not Caleb Williams would be willing to come to the Chicago Bears or would he sort of force the hand of the Bears to move off the pick. These are things that he has not uttered publicly. These are things we have not heard him say anything about. When he did finally announce at the last moment that he was declaring for the NFL draft, he said, Excited to, be, to enter the National Football League, looking forward to playing with and for, you know, whoever picks me. Those are the types of things we've heard Caleb Williams say at every step of the way. It's unfortunate, in my opinion, that a lot of these other things have been associated with his, his remarkably big brand as a college athlete, and now that's going to travel with him into the NFL. In the end, if he shows up in the league and he plays well, none of the other stuff is going to matter. But there's a lot of folks who've been talking about Caleb Williams for so long that it just seems like you got to find something different to say. And then you come out and, and have this opinion about it. And, you know, whether it was, you know, Manuel Acho during the season, Colin yesterday, these things get aggregated that are sort of a supposition by very big personalities and they get tagged to Caleb Williams. And I, I find that unfortunate just for, for him and, you know, we will certainly see how the Bears end up handling things with Caleb and what he ends up doing in his professional journey moving forward here. But let, let me get out of the way for a few minutes, take a short time out, come back, talk to Eric at home. I want to talk to him about Caleb Williams, his assessment of him, the, the discussion about Caleb down in Mobile with the folks at the Senior Bowl, what he believes the Bears will do. And we did see on NFL media where Eric at home put out his first first-round mock draft. A lot to get into. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, 
and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. When discussed with Eric Anholm, we will do so next on The Score. We're back live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. What did you want the, the scouts and everybody to know about you down here at Mobile? Really to put a stamp on that. I'm the best edge rusher coming out. I mean, obviously I can work on so many things in my game and really just to put a stamp on that and show like, you know what I can do. Uh, I'm on the best of the best and um, really in the run game showing I can be stout in the run game. And you said the 21 and a half TFLs. I mean, you know, I'm not scared of the run as people say that I am. And, you know, I just really wanted to prove that this week and, you know, getting extension with my arm and, you know, playing violently. So I feel like I've done that. That is the voice of Layatu Layatu Latu. He's a UCLA edge defender, defensive end. He played within their scheme quite a bit. He'd been with the Washington Huskies for the bulk of his college career, first three seasons. Finished the last couple of years with UCLA, and the Bruins had a much better defense than a lot of folks would have anticipated going into this thing, and he was a big part of the reason why. Remarkably productive, won the Ted Hendricks Award. I'm a voter for the Hendricks Award, so – you know, I certainly have watched his development on tape, and he is a, an exceptionally talented player. Looking forward to discussing him with our guest on the Circle Resort Casino Hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. He is my guy, Eric Edholm. He is of NFL Media. You can find him on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. E, what's happening, man? How you doing this evening? What's going on, man? Everything's good here. Hope you're doing well. I'm glad to hear it, my friend. Yes, doing fantastic. I'm going to discuss Layatu Latu with you in a moment because it, it does seem like there's some some chatter that maybe he'd be a player the Bears would consider with the second of their two top ten picks they currently have in the draft. And maybe they move things around and kind of, you know, even if they finagle their way out of the top ten, maybe they get him there. But I was talking about Caleb Williams as I opened up the show here, and there, there's been some yeah. some Chicago chatter about Caleb Williams, as you as you may know, with the Bears having the number one pick. So you've been there. You've been talking to folks, man. What what are the what are the impressions? How historic? Just starting with this, how historic of a prospect is Caleb Williams viewed as from the folks you discuss him with? Yeah, I think entering this season, people were starting to put him on that that kind of you know Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck kind of plateau entering twenty twenty three and coming off the Heisman season and you know, adding Brennan Wrights and other players, and you just thought, wow, they're going to run this thing back, and he's going to just blow it up all over again. It didn't quite happen that way, as you know. Uh, and, you know, their offensive line and USC's defense and opponents maybe defending him a little smarter. Uh, obviously, it's and, – and I think the scheme also hurt him at times, too. Um, but it's not like those skills went away. I mean, I, I thought he still played well at times. If you watch and kind of see – what positions he was put in in games often down two touchdowns before you know before the ball was kicked off it felt like you know you can understand that he had to play a certain way and take more risks and maybe hold on to the ball a little bit longer than he than you'd like him to but you know he's trying to win football games and and uh, I still saw a lot of really good stuff from him I think the gap is probably closed in some people's minds with with Drake May and maybe even Jaden Daniels just to a certain extent um, so I don't know that there's this this cavernous leap from one to the next, but you know I still hold him in very high regard and, and feel like this is an unusual prospect at the top of the draft. I mean, I I liked C.J. Stroud and he was my top quarterback last year, but I would say I like Williams 
potential higher than I did Strouds a year ago, having not seen a, you know his brilliant rookie year, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I like that uh, that comp a lot by comparison, especially because you know C.J. Stroud obviously wasn't discussed as the quote unquote generational talent right. that you know we, yep. we get several of these every couple of years it seems. So generational <laughs> might be a, a different term that we should start using here. But I, I wonder by comparison to the coverage. Caleb Williams seems to me because he's been viewed kind of like Trevor Lawrence was where we almost knew coming out of high school with Trevor Lawrence, like that guy's probably going to be the number one pick. That's been a similar scenario here with Caleb, but there seems to be more noise around him. Uh, What are the discussions you have with people about really trying to sift through the fact and the fiction of of any off-field concerns or intangible concerns with Caleb Williams? Yeah, I think obviously as the the spotlight – and the glare kind of brightened on him, you know, people started interpreting, you know, his body language to the degree that, I mean, haven't been seen at least since, well, at least locally since Jay Cutler. Right. Uh, But, you know, people are all trying to be sort of armchair psychologists and try to figure out, well, what does that mean? And what, what, you know, does he, does he not like his teammates? And then, of course, there's this sort of narrative going around that he may not want to play in Chicago. I haven't really looked into any of that, to be truthful. I don't know, you know, whether there's any truth to that or not. Or So I think we're far away from anything. And I'm sure he'll be asked something on that uh, when he speaks at the Combine. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll put that to bed or we'll find out more, either one. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the character stuff is crucial. I, I think one of the reasons – and don't misinterpret this. This is not slander on C.J. Stroud at all. I think one of the, the reasons why Byron Young felt like a natural pick for the Panthers at number one is that, you know, they, they just saw the kind of person they wanted leading their franchise. You know, they just saw this kid who had a very bubbly, uh, warm personality, was well-liked by his teammates, seemed to be somebody who could rally people. I, I suspect that if they didn't do their homework on C.J. Stroud and what he meant to the Buckeyes, that's their own fault. Um, but, you know, in terms of just more outgoing personalities, maybe Young was just a little bit more attractive. And so sometimes the character stuff can be swung in a, a direction that gets you away from what maybe matters the most, if that makes sense. So I, I don't know. I'll be curious to see how – Williams and May and Daniels are all kind of perceived as leaders, as franchise figureheads, because I think they're going to all going to go high enough to where that'll be the expectation. And, you know, there's so much more to quarterbacking than, than just throwing the ball and evading sacks and things like that. And I know for NFL media, you don't necessarily, you know, need to to beat the bushes on on folks' opinion on the Bears. But what is your sense being in Mobile? Is the consensus under the impression the Bears will definitively trade Justin Fields and take Caleb Williams? Yeah, I haven't had a ton of discussions on here down there, but there has been some chatter, you know, certainly among media people and, uh, you know, even a couple agents and and, uh, scouting folks that I was around were kind of talking about, how the draft might shape up more in general terms. But yeah, I would, I would say that I I think if I took a poll down here of people who are fairly in the know, or, or at least, you know, sort of tapped into what's, what's going on, the vibe would be that the bears are seriously considering one of these quarterbacks and it's super early in the process, but sometime in the next couple of months here, they have to decide, do we keep and therefore extend Justin and use those picks in other ways, which could be quite plentiful if you believe in him as your quarterback, or do you trade him for less return, use that top pick for a quarterback, and then figure out how to maneuver with nine or stay put? Uh, you know, both can be very appealing in the right, you know, in the right perspective. So I think obviously they have to do their work on these quarterbacks and decide Yes, we, we have conviction on at least one of them. We think at least one of them is going to be a star. If they feel like there are two that could be special, maybe they, you know, dangle it to the to the Washington commanders and say, hey, if, if you really want Williams, who is a D.C. native, you got to come up and get him or something. So, I, you know, I think all possibilities are made on the table. But if I had to say there was a general sort of flavor in the air or sense in the air of what might happen, I would say that a Fields trade wouldn't shock very many people. 
Eric at home, my guest here on 670 The Score. He's on social at Eric underscore at home. He's on the Senior Mobile uh, covering the Senior Bowl, the Reese's Senior Bowl for NFL.com. The the quarterbacks who are there, you know, Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix, those are two of the guys who were Heisman finalists this past season alongside the yep. winner, Jaden Daniels. But with, with Penix and Nix being there, you know, they're not guys, and I'd love to, to get into your first-round mock that you put out for NFL Media today where yeah. neither one of them was in the first round. You know, you have Caleb yeah. Williams going number one to the Bears. You have Drake May going number two. You have Jaden Daniels going number three, and then J.J. McCarthy's in the first round as well. So from what you saw this week in Mobile and the discussions you've had, it doesn't seem like either Penix or Knicks did anything to put themselves into maybe that top ten or top five type conversation. I think they have a chance to crack wild round one. Um, Bo seemed to start the the Bo Nix seemed to start the week pretty slowly, in my opinion. By Thursday, I thought his red zone work was maybe the best of any quarterback. He was really dicing him up and putting the ball exactly where it needed to be. So, you know, when, when the field was condensed, I thought he was at his best. Early on, it just felt like he was either kind of overthinking and it's tough for these guys you know you've been down here I mean you know, they get force-fed an offense in about 48 hours and they, you know they get to the rep these plays once or twice each and and you know the install isn't like what it would be for a for a normal team so it's it's tough and and yet in the same practice session I saw Penix seemingly you know in cohesion with his receivers and and having a little bit better feel for where he needed to put the ball in some cases. Now it wasn't always consistent throw to throw. Some of his throws were a little wild. Penix also seemed to hold on to the ball a little bit too long. Um, you know, again, unfamiliarity, different people, all that stuff. So hard to put too much stock into it, but I just thought Penix's balls looked different. I mean, his, his passes had more zip on him. He just had a little more juice in his arm. Um, Bo was good in the short game. I didn't feel like it was an all-around stellar performance. But the name that that I thought – the guy who I thought was maybe the most consistent, he threw a pick day one, and then it just was pretty darn good after that was Spencer Rattler. Mm. And, you know, here's a kid. We talked about him as a – you know, Caleb Williams was was his backup at one point at Oklahoma. And he was going to be the number one pick. And then that thing fell apart, and he became persona non grata, went to South Carolina, had a – you know, an okay couple years, but nothing special, not that rare talent. But I thought he looked okay. I, 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 he really interests me all of a sudden. I, I agree, man. I mean, the, the raw skills are there. You know, he's, yes. I'm certainly not going to say he can spin the ball like Caleb, but if you're just right. watching them both on the hoof in seven on seven, you, you leave looking at each of them between arm slots and turning the nose over on the ball. Like, that's yeah, right. I, I agree with you, man. Spencer Rattler is going to be a guy to keep an eye on once you get to day two of this draft because he's yep. an impressive just sort of passer of the football with the nuance he can throw it with. I think, you know, by comparison, I, I, I like what you have with J.J. McCarthy in your mock. You know, Chicago area kid, goes to Michigan, wins a national championship, several Big Ten titles, and, you know, was – as I've been talking to a few scouts here in recent weeks – the the off field, the meeting room, the leadership, the intangible of J.J. McCarthy seems to have people just as impressed as sort of the the raw physical talent that's there. And you put him in a position where you, you have him at, right now in your first mock, maybe going 19 to the Rams. Yeah. And that intrigues me because he is, to me, one of these quintessential guys that would benefit from sitting behind a veteran. I, I like the slot you put him in there. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, that's for me, that would be – nirvana for him i mean i i would not want to draft jj mccarthy and say you're our our zach wilson right like like you're right. our you know you're gonna turn this thing around because you know you have to look at what he was asked to do at michigan and i know jim harbaugh has talked him up you know to the nth degree and said he's the greatest you know quarterback in wolverine's history and all this stuff and and, and maybe he does believe that but he didn't always act like it either. And I get why he did, you know, <laughs> Harbaugh ran the ball because he could and he had right. the horses to do it. I mean, that's, they, that's, they didn't throw a pass in the second half against Penn State. Now, Jim Harbaugh wasn't on the sidelines that game, but he was responsible for putting that game plan together for Sharon Moore. Oh, sure. You're right. Yeah. Like, no, no, no take it away from, from what uh, Sharon did down the stretch. He earned the job, but you're right. I mean, um, 
yeah, I mean, there's there's something there. There's no doubt. He's got some moxie, and he's got that instinctive playmaking ability. Um, and, you know, he came up big on money downs and had to have it drives and things like that. It wasn't always perfect. There's a lot, there's lots to clean up there, but you think about somebody like Stafford, they didn't have a quality backup this year. You know, could he come in and start a game or two for you? Yes. I bet he'd be plenty prepared, but you know, I would love to see him, like you said, sit for a year or two. And in a way, I mean, they're, they're different players, but maybe he's the Jordan love of this class where he goes in that second half of the round one, sits for a bit and then all of a sudden you've got this fascinating quarterback prospect who could be a lot a lot more confident and better than he is now Uh, e i'm sure you've seen it where there have been so many bears fans excited about the potential for marvin harrison jr you know Uh up with the bears somehow having two picks in the top 10 in your mock you have him going number four to arizona you have another receiver coming off the board before the Bears would pick again, and Malik Neighbors of LSU, all those raw physical traits that he brings to the table at number six going to the Giants. So by the time the Bears would have another pick, their second pick in the top ten, you've got Roma Dunze from Washington going to the Bears at number nine. How do you compare and contrast to Dunze with those other two receivers you have going before him? Yeah, really interesting. I mean, all I think all three can be number ones in the right setting. I mean, maybe of the three, Dunze – I feel like could benefit from having a speed guy opposite him or, you know, another sort of big play threat opposite him like he did at Washington first Jalen McMillan Millen and then uh, Jalen Polk came up and, and really put on a show at times this year as well. So, you know, he was in a perfect situation there. Now, granted, this is a guy who wasn't really regarded as a, as a elite prospect coming out of high school, but he really worked himself up. And there are some people even saying, Maybe he's a poor man's Larry Fitzgerald. I don't know if I'd go quite that strong. I love Larry. He's one of my favorite you know, receivers ever. But um, but that's kind of the style. He's a, a longer guy who's a glider. I wouldn't say he's has elite speed. Um, maybe he doesn't have elite suddenness, but he's so smooth, so polished. The body control, you know, the hands are usually good. I know the first half of the national title game, you know, it seemed like he was a little off, but rallied in the second half you know, got his feet underneath him. And I think is a number one eventually, but what I love about that landing spot would be, you know, you're playing opposite DJ Moore and you have Cole commit and they have backs they can throw to. So, you know, that's, that, that would be a really nice spot to settle in at. And maybe he doesn't make it to nine. I don't know. I mean, you know, we're still far out, but I think he's a top 10 player and neighbors maybe is a little bit more of the juicier explosive player not quite as much length Harrison is obviously the uh, physical specimen nothing like his father you know it's crazy (laughs) we have Marvin Harrison and and Jerry Rice's kids in this draft and their their sons are like mutants compared to them right I mean again different different body style so uh yeah really interesting crop at the top and lots of good wide receiver talent in this group and one of the needs for the Bears, E, is uh, an edge rusher that would be on the mm-hmm. opposite edge from Montez Sweat, someone who can come in and, and immediately do something in 2024 for this squad. Layatu Latu was the player that, that my producer, Sean Sears, he played a little sound from him coming out of break here. Is he a player who, who could be? You saw him in Mobile this week. Could he be worthy of top 10 type consideration? I think that's a little rich for me personally. Um, I mean, you, you know, I think you're – you're banking on extraordinary effort. He's got a really nice frame. I think he can hold up to the rigors of the NFL. The arm length is not ideal for that kind of frame. You'd think it'd be a little longer. I think he's sub 33 inches, which is, you know, that'll knock him out of top 10 consideration for some teams. I think just, just worrying about that. And, you know, a little, a little thin on the lower body. It was a little surprising to see him up close, uh, thinner ankles. It looked like if I'm getting really uh, into the weeds here a bit, but <laughs> And he had some losses, you know, he got buried on a few reps, but I felt like whenever he did lose, he came back really strong the next one and almost refused to have consecutive bad reps or losses. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, overall, I think it was a good week. It was not for me the kind of week that made me think, boom, stamp it. He's a top 20 guy without question. Right. I, I just, I came up a little short of that, but he's an accomplished football player. I'm sure teams will want to find out, Hey, you know, he was almost medically retired at one point. It was going back a few years, but yeah. 
that'll be part of the interview process. I don't think there's any character questions, just, just a matter of, you know, can you hold up? And is this, is this something that, that concerns you and should it concern the teams that think about drafting them? It's interesting. Jalen Phillips, a former UCLA Bruin who had transferred from a, a different right. institution initially. Similar, similar scenario for whatever uh, yep. reason coming out of UCLA. Uh, last quick one here. Offensive tackle could potentially be another need for the Bears as well. Really curious just whether or not you, you saw anyone in Mobile that you think the Bears could consider in the top ten there. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's also a good year for that, too. I think the tackle talent is really strong. You know, if you're – I, you know, Talese Fuaga from Oregon State, maybe he's too much of a repeat of what you have in, in Darnell Wright. Now, I don't know mm-hmm. if they're exact clones at all, but, I mean, maybe that's not exactly who they would seek, but I think he'd be worth taking right around that range there. Uh, Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. I had him going 18th, and I, I even wrote that may be too low. I don't know. He's doesn't have a ton of snaps in college, but they're impressive. And he was great down here this week. There was only one guy who really kind of got to him, and that was Darius Robinson from Mizzou. So, yeah, I mean, I thought Guyton really held up well. Um, you know, Jordan Morgan. It wasn't a, a breakout week for him, in my opinion. Uh, we didn't see Troy Fatanu. He would probably play guard in the NFL, but played left tackle at Washington. He bowed out of the game. I'm trying to think of some of the other guys too. Patrick Paul from Houston, I don't view as a as a first round possibility, but on day two, you know, I can see that being somebody that that would attract the Bears a bit. So he he seemed to get better as the week got up, went on. I thought Thursday was was his best practice of the week. We know you'll be watching it every step of the way as we approach the combine and certainly headed towards draft weekend. E, appreciate you taking the time tonight. All right, buddy. Have a great night. See ya. That is Eric Edholm of NFL Media on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm. A lot of prospects down there in Mobile and certainly many like Olufashinu, you know, Joe Alt, you know, some of these guys who weren't there in Mobile who were part of that offensive tackle conversation. We'll learn more about between now and 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 draft weekend that maybe the Bears would consider with that second pick that they have available in round number one. And who knows, maybe they even trade down from nine, depending on how everything else ends up shaking out. The second time I'll come back, I told you we'd get to some of the sound from Colin Cowherd when he was on with the guys uh, during the afternoon show. As it sort of, you know, we paint a more clear picture on what's going on with Caleb Williams. We'll get to some of that next year on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. We're back live with more Anthony Harris. On 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Hey, mister, you gotta wear a helmet. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, bring that back. Oh, man. Oh, God, I love it. I Oh, God, I hurt a little, but I'm all right. Oh, God, son, what the hell are you doing? 364 more days till next year's hockey tryouts. I gotta toughen up. That, of course, from Happy Gilmore. Hilarious movie. Carl Weathers played the role of Chubbs in Happy Gilmore. It's one of those things where I I went to a a movie. My wife and I went to a matinee earlier today, and we get out of the movie, and I'm, you know, just check social media real quick, and I see Carl Weathers trending, number one topic. Oh, man. And you see a celebrity name trending, and after somebody crosses a certain age, then the first thought is, oh, man, did they pass? But then a lot of times it's not because they pass. Frequently enough, it's happy birthday or they had some silly moment on Cameo or something like that. You know, usually, well, maybe not usually, but often enough it's some other reason. So I was kind of hopeful when I clicked on Carl Weathers' name after we came out of the movie that it was something else. But unfortunately, it was not that. Carl Weathers passed. And uh, news hit out there. Got to. I haven't spent any legitimate time with him. Got to meet him very briefly. I just posted the the picture when I was covering the NFL draft in Philadelphia. So Sean's going to be weaving in a few uh, Carl Weathers clips throughout the show this evening, just in, in remembrance of Apollo Creed himself. But uh, I told you uh, that we get to some clips from Colin Cowherd, his appearance on the afternoon show with Parkins and Spiegel, and of course yesterday. There was a lot of news that got made. It, it seems it doesn't take a lot for stuff to get aggregated at this point. It didn't even seem to me that 
Colin and his team themselves thought it was that big a deal. You know, any of you watched his show or listen to his show, he does these Herdline News segments. And one of the things he just kind of referenced during Herdline News was that, you know, what if it was he almost framed framed it in kind of a what if sort of way like, oh, what if you know maybe it's a possibility that Caleb could still maybe tell the Bears that he'd like to play at home instead of in Chicago and man did the world get worked up about it sports world was, was all you know, hearts were a flutter and uh Danny Parkins my guy Matt Spiegel they were kind of worked up about it as well so the afternoon show got into it what was pretty cool though was Colin himself was on the afternoon show today. So you get to hear from the man himself just kind of addressing exactly this topic and what he talked about. So one thing that he made it a point to point out specifically, he was reporting this. I don't think what he did yesterday was reporting. He was just sort of, it was a supposition more than anything yesterday. But today he did report something very specific about the amount of teams who had already contacted the Bears about the top pick. And an addendum, by the way, I was told 15 minutes ago that five NFL teams have called USC to do a background check on Caleb, and they're going to offer the Bears packages to get the number one pick. So, <laughs> you heard you heard that fifteen minutes ago. Fifteen minutes ago, from somebody I trust, that USC has been called by uh, just shy of a half a dozen teams doing background checks. Caleb Williams is going to get Chicago could keep Fields. Go to number two, go to number I – I wasn't told who made the calls. Okay. I was told there's going to be offers for that number one pick. That's how good Caleb is. So you could keep Justin Fields. I wouldn't, but you could. You could move down a few spots. But I've been told this is a better prospect significantly than Andrew Luck by three executives, two with rings. He's really special. I do believe the the passing gifts, the passing talents of Caleb Williams are extremely special. You know, the, the hyperbole around it, I, I do tend to I tend to hesitate with a bit of hyperbole, but I, I have certainly I've talked to some folks just like you heard from Colin there who do think he is he is that exceptional and that rare when it comes to his ability to spin the football and put it where he wants. Uh, but one other thing Colin talked about a bit was specific to his his opining, I suppose, yesterday uh, during his Herdline News segment on yesterday's The Herd with Colin Cowherd, and he addressed that specifically, you know, that there are some concerns, but whether or not Caleb Williams is anti-Bears. Well, first of all, I had said about eight, nine weeks ago, and again, yesterday it wasn't a segment. I just, I think it was Herdline News, and I said something. But one of the things I had said is don't be surprised if teams don't make an offer to Chicago. And the reason I didn't form a big opinion is because when I had heard it eight or nine weeks ago, it was right after the season. Remember when the story came out? I think it was right after the season when it was like Caleb's dad. He wants to restructure contracts. Mm -hmm. They don't want it. And I made one call and it was like, that's nonsense. So and then it was around that call that time that I heard like, you know, they got some misgivings about Chicago. This is Eber flu going to be there. It's, I'm not sure if we knew at the time. I think we did. We may not have. So I got a lot of different things at the time. And I think I may have mentioned it. There's some concerns. And then I didn't form anything on it because it was just sort of a, you know, kind of a feeling. And so yesterday when I said it, I said, yeah, kind of, there's a little anti-Chicago and it may have been too hot. Because they don't want to be painted as that. Caleb doesn't want to be a villain. He, he, he like he's he knows there's no perfect spot to land, and so they were selling me last night. Hey, there's a lot of good things about Chicago. Yeah, I was also told nine weeks ago they got concerns about Chicago. I think both are true. Mm-hmm. There's nothing definitive. There is no perfect spot. So I mean. You know, the way he framed it yesterday, and again, if you like, I've, I've been on Colin's show a good bit over the years. I don't know how many, maybe, maybe eight times, maybe 10 times or whatever. He's always been, been awesome to me. Um, but if you followed his show and if you followed their social media, when he's got, you know, what you might term as a hot take, a big opinion on something, something they really want, they're hoping will get aggregated, they post it all over social. It's on at the herd and it's at, out on his Twitter account and it's on FS1's Twitter account. They didn't do any of that with what he was saying about Caleb Williams and, and the, the Bears and trading and Washington and whatever else. 
it really just struck me as sort of off the cuff, informed speculation, and that was how it was presented. But then it did get aggregated by folks because the Bears and Caleb Williams both moved the meter a lot. And so I think his delivery of it wasn't as deft as he might normally deliver something like that. And so the way he was framing things and phrasing things allowed for what really was just him kind of off the cuff, just kind of talking about what could happen. And frankly, that could still happen. But it it came off like, is is this really, are you informed on this? Is this being sourced? And for where we're at right now, a lot of folks just kind of take stuff like that and really ran with it. And so I'm glad that Caleb Williams and his people apparently reached out to Colin. Colin came on the station today, cleaned that up. A couple other clips I want to get to a little bit later in the show and play some of those for you as well. But for right now, let me take a time out, just a couple short minutes, come back, talk to Herb Howard specifically about the Bears, Caleb, Justin. I missed him when he was on the station last week, so I'm looking forward to talking to Herb next on The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 